ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय We're looking at No, don't with the buzz. No buzz, please. Thank you. Canto 3, Chapter 1. We'll be covering 27, 28. There's several verses without purports. Probably through 30. 27 through 30. Vidura has met Uddhava by the river Jamuna. It's uh it's quite a scene. They're in a forest of Vrindavan by the river Jamuna. Here's Vidura who's none other than Yamaraj who's been on pilgrimage for 34 years imagine going on pilgrimage for 34 years no contact with anyone no family is gone you know whatever it's, it's a faint memory 34 years ago he left and um his mission has been purification and the person who he's speaking with is Uddhava who outside of Vrindavan Uddhava is the most intimate associate of Krishna amongst all of Krishna's associates Uddhava has just heard Uddhava Gita just heard Uddhava Gita and he's in total absorption in that message and his elevated feelings of love for krishna because he knows that krishna is leaving must have been fantastic but they the discussions it was and that's what that's what these chapters are so it begins with cordialities they're not formalities they're but they're natural where um the well-being of one's relatives are being inquired into and specifically Vidura is asking about the members of the Adu dynasty who he knows have already departed the world this inquiry appears to be very queer but Jiva Goswami states that the news was shock, so shocking to Vidura when he went to Prabhas and found out that they had gone who therefore inquired again due to great curiosity thus his inquiry was psychological and not practical so he was he was so careful about the feelings of others knowing how dear Uddhava was living in Dwarka how dear was Uddhava to the members of the Adu dynasty and how dear they were to him So he didn't want to just say, "Oh, did you hear this terrible news?" 
He could have said it like that. He didn't say it like that. Vidura then asked Uddhava for news of the family of Lord Krishna. Please tell me whether the original personalities of Godhead who incarnated themselves at the request of Brahma who was born out of the lotus flower of the Lord from the Lord and who have increased the prosperity of the world by elevating everyone are doing well in the house of Shurasena. Did we discuss this yesterday? Balaram and Krishna are two different personalities of Godhead, although they're one. First of all, Vidur inquired about their well-being. Next, please tell me whether the best friend of the Kurus, who's the best friend of the Kurus? Our brother-in-law, brother-in-law who is the brother-in-law of both Uddhava and Vidura answer Vasudeva and the purport Prabhupada explains you you, you have to take notes to catch this (laughs) please tell us whether the best friend of the Kurus our brother-in-law Vasudeva is doing well he is very munificent. He is like a father to his sisters and he is always pleasing to his wives. So in the purport, Prabhupada explains each of these things. Lord Krishna's father, who is Lord Krishna's father? Vasudeva. Vasudeva had how many wives? Sixteen wives. Not all of them were wives or were um, from the same father. When he married Devaki, it was something like nine, eight or nine sisters simultaneously married. One of those was not Rohini, but Rohini was Vidura's sister. Now, I'm not clear on how Rohini was Vidura's sister because Vidura had brothers. Who were the brothers of Vidura? Dhritarashtra and Pandu. Was there a daughter also born? But here it said, Ho Ravi or Rohini, the mother of Baladev, was the sister of Vidura. So since Rohini was one of the sixteen wives of Vasudev, that means that Vasudev, the husband of Vidura's sister, made them brother in law. And who was Vasudeva's sister. Vasudeva had a sister. Kunti. 
Vasudev and Kunti were brother and sister. So Kunti was the wife of Pandu and Pandu was Vidura's elder brother so Vasudev was the brother-in-law to Vidura. Should we do it again? Vasudev um, had a sister, Kunti. Kunti was married to Pandu and Pandu was Vidura's elder brother so Vasudev was the brother-in-law of Vidura. It doesn't give an explanation of how Vasudev is the brother-in-law of Uddhava. Next, um, there's a statement that uh, that Vasudev was like the father to his sisters. Of course, Kunti was one of those sisters. Kunti was younger than two things. Kunti was younger than Vasudev. And the elder brother looks after the younger sister like a father looks after daughters. It's a cultural point. And um, Kunti was the younger brother of Vasudeva and it was the duty of the elder brother to treat the younger sisters as daughters. Whenever anything was needed by Kunti, it was munificently delivered by Vasudeva due to his great love for his younger sister. Apparently there were multiple sisters. One of them was Kunti. The other ones aren't mentioned who they are. Now, Vasudev had 16 wives. So it's described by Prabhupada in the purport. Vasudev never dissatisfied his wives. At the same time, he supplied the objects desired by his sister. He had special attention for Kunti because she became a widow at an early age. While inquiring about Vasudev's welfare, Vidura remembered all about him and the family relationship. O Uddhava, text 28, please tell me how is Pradyumna, the commander-in-chief of the Yadus, who was Cupid in a former life. Hmm. Pradumna was Cupid in a former life. Rukmini bore him as her son from Lord Krishna by the grace of Brahmanas, whom she pleased, purport. According to Srila Jiva Goswami, Smara, which is another name for Cupid or Kamadev, is one of the eternal associates of Krishna. Jiva Goswami has explained this very elaborately in his treatise, Krishna Sandarbha. What is Krishna Sandarbha? Anybody know? There's a commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam that was composed by Jiva Goswami, actually was composed by Gopal Bhatta Goswami and then handed to Jiva Goswami to publish. So it has Jiva Goswami's name, he's the author, but the compiler of it actually was Gopal Bhatta Goswami. And it's in six parts. 
satsandarbha and um, they're by topic so the first one is uh, tattva sandarbha where it describes the tattva about the topic of Krishna and there's a whole the largest portion of it is pramana kanda pramana is evidence if we want to know about Krishna what's the best way to know about Krishna we go through a whole very very refined discussion on Shrimad Bhagavatam is the best very very carefully laid out so Tattva Sandarbha, Paramatma Sandarbha, Bhakti Sandarbha, Krishna Sandarbha, Preeti Sandarbha. So we're going to, I just happen to have an electronic copy of Krishna Sandarbha in my computer. And if technology cooperates, we're going to read from... <laughs> Anuched 87 of Krishna Sandarbha, where Jiva Goswami is describing who is Pradyumna. And I will read from text 1. Now I shall describe Pradyumna, who in his previous life as Cupid was burned to ashes by the anger of Lord Shiva. Hmm. This Pradumna is described in the following verse from Gopal Tapani Upanishad. Quote, Lord Krishna, accompanied by his three potencies. What are those three potencies? Shribu and Nila and, and, and the... Um, internal potencies. Lord Krishna, accompanied by his three potencies and by Balaram, Pradumna, Aniruddha and Rukmini, stays in the light at Mathura Puri, right in the Upanishads. Krishna by name. Yatrasau Samtita Krishnas Tribi Shaktya Samahita Ramadi Rudha Pradumno Rukminya Sahito Vibhu. Text 3. This Pradumna, however, cannot be considered to be the same Pradumna who is one of the four original expansions of Lord Krishna, the Chaturvyuha, Vasudev, Sankarshan Pradumna Aniruddha. Not that Pradumna. This Pradumna is simply a demigod, Cupid, who is an ordinary living entity and not the personality of Godhead. This is described in Srimad Bhagavatam 10.55, text 1, where it is said, quote, It is said that Cupid, who is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudeva, was formerly burned to ashes, by the anger of Lord Shiva in order to get his body again. 
he took birth as the son of Krishna. Next verse. The word tu, but, tu means but, tu means but, is very significant in this verse. The word is used to specifically distinguish a certain person or thing from another or others. For example, if we say, but he is a brahmana, a certain person is distinguished from others. As, for example, if we say, there may be many who, although born in a brahmana family, may remain ignorant and uneducated, but he is a brahmana. The word but, or two, distinguishes the learned brahmana from the others who are less qualified. In this verse, the phrase, kamas tu vasudeva amsha, which means, um, but that Cupid who is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudev indicates that there are two Cupids and one of them is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudev if it were otherwise and the intention of the author had been to say but Cupid is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudev the order of the words in Sanskrit would have been different. Vasudevamrshatatukama. The other Cupid, this paragraph, the other Cupid, who is not directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudev, is described in the second part of this verse. He is the material Cupid, an ordinary demigod, one of the eleven Rudras, and a servant of Maharaj Indra. Burned by Lord Shiva's anger, the material Cupid lost his body and became disembodied. In order to get his body again, he entered the body of Pradumna, the original Cupid, who is directly part and part, who is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudeva. The material Cupid was then born again from the body of Lord Pradumna. Interpreted in this way, this verse from Srimad Bhagavatam may be translated in the following words, quote, so this, this is the quote of the first verse from um, chapter 55. It is said that Cupid was formerly burned to ashes by the anger of Lord Shiva. In order to get his body again, he entered the body of Lord Pradumna, the original Cupid, who is a direct expansion of Lord Vasudeva. Another explanation of this verse may be given by dividing the first two lines in the following way, namely, Kamas to Vasudevamsho, Dagdha, Pragrudha Manuya Manyuna, which could be translated as the original Cupid, who is directly part and parcel of Lord Vasudev, and different from the material Cupid, was not burned to ashes by the anger of Lord 
Shiva. The original Cupid enters the body of Lord Vasudeva to appear with him as he manifested his transcendental pastimes within the material world. In this way, we have described the original Cupid, Lord Pradumna, who, because he is directly the expansion of Lord Vasudeva, must be different from the material Cupid who is burned to ashes by the anger of Lord Shiva. So what's going on? What's, what's Jiva Goswami concerned about explaining all of this? He's concerned because there are passages within the scripture which, when taken out of context and without with full reference to context, um, one might get confused. In fact, people are regularly confused about Krishna being an ordinary person and the expansions of Krishna being expansions of ordinary persons or themselves also ordinary persons. Like, look at this. Pradumna is one of the Chatur Vyuha personalities in Vaikuntha, but look at this. Lord Shiva burns him to ashes. But that's the material Cupid. And there's a distinction between the two. So that is to say, we've, we've all heard this so many times, as above, so below. Or whatever we find in this world has its spiritual counterpart in the spiritual world. Otherwise, how does this thing come into being without the original? So, there's the original. There's the original personality of Godhead and his expansions in the spiritual world. Those expansions in the spiritual world have their reflections or material counterparts in this world. One of the material counterparts is Cupid. He sends his arrows and people fall in love. They're struck by the arrow of Cupid. Someone may say, oh, that's fairy tale. There's Cupid. Kamadev. He performs that function. And the demigod of love. And he tried to agitate Lord Shiva to become attracted to women. And Lord Shiva wasn't attracted to women. He was very displeased that Kamadev was doing this foolish activity. So with his glance, he burned him to ashes. Thus ends <laughs> At least his body, his body was finished. But although his body was finished, he wasn't finished. And what did that Cupid do, or Kamadev, or as it's mentioned here, Smara, what did he do? Um, when the direct expansion of Krishna of the of the Vyuha forms just like like um, Ram 
Bharat, Lakshman and Shatrugna. They are the Chaturvyuha forms appearing. So when Krishna appeared, they also appeared, only in a different way. Pradumna appeared as Krishna's son. And it appears that Cupid entered into, or he, since he's the expansion of the original Pradumna, he, had, he entered into that body. He again was assimilated or something, some language, I don't know what the proper language is, the body of Pradumna, so that he could have his um, existence once again. It's detail. It's not like if you don't know the detail, you won't go back to Godhead. But it's being presented by Jiva Goswami in Krishna Sandarbha to address the doubting questions. Somebody may say to you someday, Oh, Krishna has a material form. And the expansions of Krishna, they're also material form. Just see, the body of Pradumna was burned. The ashes. So it's to address that. Stump the Swami question. <laughs> so Uddhava is being asked by um, Vidura about first about Krishna, Balaram, then Vasudev, then Pradumna, next Oh, my friend, tell me whether Ugrasena, the king of the Safatas, Vrishnis, Bojas, and Dasharas, is now doing well. He went far away from his kingdom, leaving aside all hopes of his royal throne. But Krishna again installed him. He went far away, that was from Mathura, where Kamsa imprisoned his father and took, forcefully just took over this, the kingdom. So Ugrasena later was transferred to Dwaraka by Krishna. At the time, when did, when did that happen? When were the Yadus transferred from Mathura to Dwaraka? Do you know the answer? No? I'll ask it again. When, when was Ugrasena, and for that matter, the whole of the Yadu dynasty, the kings and princes and the royal family, when were they, when did they move from Mathura to Dwaraka? It was when, uh, Kaliyavana was attacking from one direction, and who was attacking from the other direction? Who was the king that tried to kill Krishna with his armies? Yes. So many times. Jarasandha. Twenty-one times. He massed huge armies. So finally he made an idea. He got an idea. He would make an alliance with Kaliavana. Mm -hmm. So Kaliavana attacked from one side and he attacked from the other side, Jarasandha. And when Krishna saw the strength of these two armies, 
he told Balaram, you hold them off. I'm going to go get Vishwakarma to build the city of Dwaraka. And by mystically, by mystic power, Krishna transported the entire Yadu dynasty and family to Dwaraka. Dwaraka was built like, you know, really fast, like instantly, by Vishwakarma. And Krishna transferred them. So then they became distant from the capital city of Mathura. So that's the reference. My dear friend, tell me whether Ugrasena, the king of the Safatas, Vrishnis, Bhojas and Dasharas, is now doing well. He went far away from his kingdom, leaving aside all hopes of his royal throne. He was reinstalled and, at, uh, on the throne by Krishna after Kamsa was killed. But then he was transported to Dwarka because of the retaliation of Jarasandha had two sisters. The two sisters of Jarasandha were married to Kamsa. So when Krishna killed Kamsa, the two sisters went back to Kamsa. Our husband was killed. Please take revenge. I'll take a vow. I will destroy this enemy who has killed your husband. And that was the beginning of Jarasandha's attack upon Krishna while they were still in Mathura. They weren't yet in Hastinapur. They were still in Mathura. <coughs> and there's a very interesting description in Garga Samhita that describes how the two sisters of Jarasandha became married to Kamsa. It's in relation to Kuvalyapita. There was a time before Kamsa became king. He was making allies with other demoniac kings. And his program was he would go out here and there and single-handedly confront kings with their entire armies and destroy the entire army and leave the king left with, with two choices. Either you join me or I'll kill you as I killed your entire army. Think it over. Let me know. <laughs> and so they agreed to become his allies. So he was on such a tour at one time and it so happened that Jarasandha what was, where was Jarasandha's kingdom? Right in the state of Bihar. Magadha. Magadha. King of Magadha. He was also traveling about with his armies and he was you know, capturing wild animals for his wild animal park. And he, he captured Kovalyapita. Huge, gigantic elephant. Took all of his armies and they captured him. They had him chained mm. to the ground. But Kovalyapita ripped the, 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 the chain and from the, the, the post from the ground and went running north in a northerly direction. And as he was running in a northerly direction, he ran right into the camp of Kamsa. 
huge elephant. Kamsa picked up Kovalyapita and whirled him and twirled him around and threw him miles in the air and went coming in for a crash landing in Jarasandha's camp. <laughs> and Jarasandha thought, wow, whoever did this, he's good. So we went to find out who that somebody was, and it was Kamsa. So he said, you've won my favor. You can keep Kuvalyapita as your pet. You can take my two daughters as your wives. Kamsa accepted Kuvalyapita and the two daughters of Jarasandha. And when Krishna killed Jarasandha, the daughters wanted revenge. So Jarasandha agreed. But Krishna single-handedly defeated him every time. Mm. Totally humiliated him. To the point where he just sent him back, go home. I won't harm you, just go back home. But he took advice from his ministers. No, you can do it. Jarasandha, you can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. You're great, Jarasandha, get another army and go try to do it again. So, so many times, so determined. We should be so determined <laughs> in devotional service. We may not achieve our spiritual objective this time, but then another time, <laughs> just continue to very determinedly try. Demons can be very determined. The devotee should be very determined. Not like, you know, Yadyadacharati Shrestas, not quite like that. We're not following the example of the determined demons, or if we should follow the examples of the determined devotees <laughs> to achieve spiritual perfection. <coughs> so Ugrasena's hopes were defeated, apparently, but Krishna placed him in that position. We, we sometimes say Krishna was the king of Dwarka, but he wasn't. Ugrasena was the king of Dwarka. Krishna was the prince, a prince with 16,000 palaces. But he was honoring Ugrasena, and when he went into the royal assembly, he would honor Ugrasena as the king. It was was the same with the Shamantaka jewel. When um, Satrajit came into Dwaraka, Krishna suggested that the to Satrajit that the jewel should be given to Ugrasena because everything most valuable should be given to the king. Satrajit didn't agree. He was very attached. (laughs) And his attachment brought him some problems. Big problems. Ugrasena was king in Dwaraka by Krishna's arrangement. Next, text 30. Vidura speaking to Uddhava, saying, O gentle one, does Samba fare well? Who was Samba? Samba. What do you know about Samba? Krishna's son. Krishna's son. Who was the mother? 
Jambavati. What else do we know about Samba? Who did Samba marry? There's a whole chapter on this. Tenth Canto, Krishna book. The daughter of... It took place before the battlefield, the battle of Kurukshetra. Duryodhana. What? Samba married the daughter of Duryodhana. Who knows that story? You know the story? Go ahead. To tell which. There was a Swayambar for his daughter. Samba came. And he fought all the princes. Right? And what was and so he was ready to marry Duryodhana's daughter. And what did Duryodhana do? No way is my daughter gonna marry Krishna's son. No way. He put him in prison. Big battle. Big. It's like, almost like, there's so many generals that ganged up on Abhimanyu. They ganged up on him and subdued him. Put him in prison. News went to Dwarka. Samba's in prison. Krishna's son is in prison. Then what happened? Now, before that, Ugrasena said, get the entire, this is before Kurukshetra battle, get the entire Yadu army. We'll go marching at once to Astinapur and smash them. Krishna's son is in prison. What an, in, what an indignity. So Balaram said, wait, wait, wait. I have a relationship with Duryodhana. And I'm sure if I went with some ministers, I could persuade him without a battle to release Samba. I said, okay. Give it a try. So Balaram went. Then what happened? They're at a camp outside Hastinapur. A messenger is sent to Hastinapur. Balaram has arrived. Duryodhana, your dear benefactor and friend, Balaram has appeared. What did Duryodhana say? Let us go at once in honor. We'll bring many gifts in honor. What a great fortune. Let him know. Please come at once. So Balaram's messenger came to Balaram. Please come at once. So he came into the... the, the, the outside the palace. And he informed Duryodhana what his purpose was. I've come to get the release of Samba. And I, that Samba should marry your daughter. Uh, no way! Samba's not going to... He's in prison. So Balaram became very angry. What did Balaram do? With his plow? What did he do? Yeah. 
And as the city was moved, the whole city, the whole city was moving. You know, they just had an earthquake in Haiti. This is Balaram dragging the entire city of Hastinapur. And they realized, uh-oh, we messed with the wrong person. So they sent their messengers out, oh, uh, uh, peace, peace in our time. <laughs> sent Neville Chamberlain and he um, made the arrangement. Samba was released. Samba married the daughter of Duryodhan, and ample reward was given, gifts and charity to the Gadu dynasty. This is before the Kurukshetra battle, because otherwise they would have been wiped out. There would have been no battle of Kurukshetra. Everyone would have been in the Ganges River, along with all their palaces. What else do we know about Samba? He was blessed as a pregnant man in front of the Sages. He did what? He was blessed as a pregnant woman. Blessed as a pregnant woman. Tell the whole story. Uh, he was there were some young men who were making fun of the elder Brahmins. And the way that they were planning to make fun they dressed him as a pregnant woman. They asked the sages what question? <coughs> Can you tell us about the future of this child? Mm-hmm. We'll tell you about the future of this child. <laughs> that lump of iron is going to be the destruction of the entire Yadu dynasty. That was Samba. And we know what happened after that. See, it's real easy to stay awake when you're hearing stories about Krishna. That <laughs> 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 the the message was taken to Ugrasena. Ugrasena decided, take that lump of iron, grind it into little powder, and throw the powder out into the sea. The powder was thrown out into the sea and it washed up on the shore of Prabhas by the sea. That, then it became part of the roots of the bamboo, so the bamboo became like iron rods. So when they were playing, sporting, they had iron rods, not just bamboo, and in their intoxicated state they began hitting one another and destroyed each other. Samba. What else do we know about Samba? There's something right in the verse about Samba. Well, two somethings. One is he, he looked exactly like Krishna. Mm-hmm. Pradumna also looked exactly like Krishna. Then, here's another. In a previous birth, he was born as Kartikeya in the womb of the wife of Lord Shiva. And now he has been born in the womb of Jambavati, the most enriched wife of Lord Krishna. Purport. Lord Shiva, one of the three qualitative incarnations of the personality of Godhead. What does it mean, qualitative incarnation? 
Guna avatar, the three gunas or three qualities. So Lord Shiva, one of the three qualitative incarnations of the personality of Godhead, is the plenary expansion of the Lord. Kartikeya, born of him, is on the level of Pradyumna, another son of Lord Krishna. When Lord Krishna descends into this material world, all of his plenary portions also appear with him to exhibit different functions of the Lord. But for the pastimes at Vrindavan, all functions are performed by the Lord's different plenary expansions. Vasudev is a plenary expansion of Narayana. When the Lord appears as Vasudev before Devaki and Vasudev, he appeared in his capacity as Narayana. Right? Vasudev, Vasudev, Narayana. Similarly, all the demigods of the heavenly kingdom appeared as associates of the Lord in the forms of Pradumna, Samba, Uddhava, etc. It is learned here that Kamadev appeared as Pradumna, Kartikeya as Samba, and one of the Vasus as Uddhava. So when, when Krishna... Krishna is the original personality of Godhead. So when Krishna appeared, the original personality of Godhead appeared, all of the other forms of the Lord reside within him. Correct? So Narayana, who appeared before Vasudeva and Devaki and then assumed a small childlike form, this is a detail that's described, if you read carefully, it's in the Bhagavatam, 10th Canto, chapter 2, 3, when Vasudeva carries Vasudeva to the other side of the Jamuna River, into Gokul, and he goes to the home of Nanda and Jasoda, you read carefully in the purport, he finds two children there. Because Mother Jasoda gave birth to two children, it's not normally described. She gave birth to a female child, normally is described. She gave birth to two children. When, when Vasudev brought Vasudev, that Vasudev Narayan merged with the body of Krishna. Because Krishna is the original personality of Godhead. All forms reside within him. And then he took the female child back to the prison house of Kamsa. Within Krishna are all the forms of the Lord. Or the other way. He is the source of all forms of the Lord. Again, the other way. Within Krishna reside all the forms of the Lord. So this discussion about Pradumna, he's one of Krishna's expansions. And Pradumna in the spiritual world can expand. He does. He expands. And so also, Kartikeya. Kartikeya is not the form of the original personality of Godhead. He's an expansion of the original personality of Godhead. And when the original personality of Godhead appears, 
There's also Aniruddha, original personality of Godhead. But then those persons of the spiritual world can expand. And they do. So Kartikeya is what it's... Samba formerly was Kartikeya in a former life. The demigod Kartikeya became not the demigod Samba, but merged with the body of that plenary expansion of Krishna because Krishna can expand himself unlimitedly. This is like, you know, Krishna consciousness 201 or maybe 301, but like the, like the position of Yasoda and Nanda Maharaj. Question. What category are they? Are they A. Vishnu Tattva B. Jiva Tattva or C. Shakti Tattva? The answer is they're Shakti Tattva. They're not living entities like us nor are they the personality of God. They're in a special category. You cannot become Nanda Maharaj. It's not a post. Brahma is a post. It's possible. One can become Brahma. It's a post. Or one can become Indra. You can't become Nanda Maharaj. Mm -hmm. Or Mother Jasoda. You can become an associate of theirs. And mercifully they can engage you in service. You can't become Radharani. <laughs> You can't become Krishna because they're different tattvas. You can become associates of them. So Kartikeya, he's a living entity. He appeared as the son of Lord Shiva. And that same Kartikeya became <coughs> Samba. But Samba is like you know, the original personality of Godhead who expands in, in a Vishnu tattva form and that demigod enters into the body of Samba. It's Krishna Consciousness 301. It's not like, you know, it's not that you don't go back to God if you don't know all these details. But there's a, there's, there's technology involved. There's a higher science of these spiritual activities. And there's not, to one that doesn't know them, it looks like a contradiction. Hey, it says this over here and says that over there, but this is different than that. What's going on? with a deeper understanding, a more complete understanding, then these things can be known. Again, when the Lord appeared as Vasudev before Devaki in Vasudev, he appeared in his capacity as Narayana. Similarly, all the demigods of the heavenly kingdom appeared as associates of the Lord in the forms of Pradumna, Samba, because that's what Krishna said to the demigods, right? He said to Lord Brahma, tell the demigods I'm going to appear at the shore of the, of the milk ocean, offering prayers to Lord Vishnu, please come. Okay, I'll come. <coughs> tell the demigods, take birth on earth first, so they can assist me in my pastime. So the demigods took birth. Some of them were in different, different positions. Some of them like this. They entered into the bodies of Pradumna, Samba, and Uddhava, etc. 
It is learned here that Kamadev appeared as Pradumna, Kartikeya as Samba, and one of the Vasus, excuse me, Vasus as Uddhava. Who's, who's another one of the Vasus, the very prominent person who's another Vasu? Bhishmadev. Because the, the, the Vasus are very powerful, so powerful that Bhishmadev was undefeatable even by Parshuram. So after this long battle between Parshuram and Bhishmadev, a voice from the sky told Parshuram, stop trying to defeat Bhishmadev. You won't be able to. He's one of the Vasus. So Uddhava is one of the Vasus. All of them served in their different capacities in order to enrich the pastimes of Krishna. So our Stay Awake Struggle program is almost over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You did pretty well. Staying awake. There's more, but it's it's like uh, an anthology of these wonderful personalities who are Krishna's associates in Dwaraka. And Vidura wants to hear about them from Uddhava to be continued. (laughs) Stay tuned for the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Any comments? Questions? Maharaj, you're saying that the question about knowing about Krishna's about Krishna was psychological, not practical. Uh, well, we know. Yeah, Vidura was asking. So, why is psychological not practical? It was, it was more for the sake of his feelings than it was for, can you tell me how they are? He wanted his hurt or, or painful, pained feelings to be soothed by hearing the glories of them. He's giving some glories and he wants to hear their glories. Can you tell me about their welfare? He knows that they're departed. So it's not practical. But psychological to soothe his pained emotions at their loss to hear something about their glories. Anything else? Yes. Well, you were saying about Krishna Sandarbha. Yeah. Um, it was divided into six parts. No. There, there's Sat Sandarbha and Krishna Sandarbha is one of those six. Sandarbha is a commentary on Bhagavatam and it's by topic. One of the topics is who is Krishna? What is Krishna's position? That's Krishna Sandarbha. Is that alright? Bhagavat Sandarbha is another. Paramatma Sandarbha is another. Priti Sandarbha is another. 
Tattva Sandarbha is another. There's six in total. And it's a commentary on Srimad Bhagavatam. How to understand Srimad Bhagavatam in these six categories of topics. And then there's anuchedes, like subtopics with under that topic. And then there's verses that explain the anuched. It makes the proposition. It's very logically presented. Just like the first one. This anuch- We will now speak about this topic. And he gives the scriptural references to address... You know, because he was... Um, besides, he was a relisher of the topic of Srimad Bhagavatam. He knew, for example, there are persons that have doubts. Here's one. Like the Purvapaksha. Someone may say, and here's the response, even before they say it. It's not like, let's hope they don't say it. <laughs> here's what they might say. The opponent might say. And then addresses. So he's establishing very, 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 very carefully, systematically, what's Krishna's position. But wait a minute. Pradumna is one of the expansions, and here Pradumna got burned to ashes by Lord Shiva, so how can Krishna be the Supreme Personality of God and these expansions be of the same tattva? So it's addressing that, that particular anuched. Just to give you an idea, there's a devotee of, of how rich this teaching is, it's Sandarbhas. Um, one devotee named Revati Raman, no, Radhika Raman, who's, um, that he did his, when he was still a teenager, he did his PhD at Oxford University in just three or four verses from one of the Sandarbhas. Mm-hmm. Of course, he had to reference other things, and he, you know, but it's very, very, very deep. Very rich literature. Jiva Goswami Kijai. <laughs> okay. Anything? Well, I think the right attitude for approaching this scriptures was at a state that something maybe I'm not understanding. When you come across something that seems to be a contradiction, how do you address yourself to that? Um, with the assistance, two, two things, with the assistance of our acharyas, that question which you bumped into most likely, almost certainly, has already someone else before you has bumped into. And we may not know all that scriptural reference to answer that doubt or question, but rest assured, it's been addressed. So it's it's like what I'm saying here is, in the in the Madhyama Adhikari position. We'll go, but we'll go down, and then up. In the Kanishta Adhikari position, one's faith is soft and pliable. Yes? And someone can come along and completely change your faith in the Kanishna or the very neophyte stage. In an intermediate stage, one's faith is firm. But when one may not know, 
all explanations and all conclusions and all references to the scripture. But one's faith is firm nonetheless. So if something comes across your way that's contradictory, says this over here and that over there, what's going on? Um, I don't have a scriptural answer. But I have firm faith. Not blind faith, but you know, based on experience and um, some degree of realization. And I know intrinsically, inherently, our acharyas are not cheating us and misleading us. And I have full faith in them and I have full faith in the process of bhakti. And that day will come when I'll come to understand. And I'm not bent out of shape because I can't understand. But I've carefully considered to get to this stage and therefore I have full faith. That's one. And you know, second is you noticed that I said several times, it's not that if you don't understand all these things, you can't go back to Godhead. Mm-hmm. The emphasis is of going back to Godhead is not upon scholarship. The, the emphasis of going back to Godhead is purity of surrender and submission unto Krishna, which will be amply rewarded, not just by going back to Godhead, but so many nice things that are details about Krishna. And the, 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 the value is not, oh, now I know another piece of information, and I have a nice big information desk, and I'll just put some more information over here. Now I have more. Just see. Mm-hmm. But it's not that. It's, it's just appreciating... It, it lends to or adds to the appreciation of um, Krishna and his diversity. How wonderful is my Krishna? Mm. So that should be the aspiration, not just that I can have an answer to this qu- this question that seems to be contradicting. Some information here, some information here. This went through this in Dallas. There's a description of there are two Varahas and two Matsyas and they're both connected to the same Leela. But there's there's two and they come during different um, Manus like Matsya. There's one Matsya that comes during Swainbhuva Manu and there's another Matsya that comes at the end of Chakshusha Manu. And the, this, the one that comes later is described first in the first canto, and the one that comes later in canto two is in Swaimbhuvamanu. But they're two different ones. So there's details, and Jiva Goswami, ta-da, Jiva Goswami details it. No, excuse me, Rupa Goswami details it in his Lagu Bhagavatamrita. So when you're reading the first canto Bhagavatam, and you read about Matsya, it's 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 faith nurturing to hear about matsya, and then you read in second canto, and you may or may not even notice it's two different matsyas. But so it's just like you know, it's it's like it diving into the ocean. It's not a little pool of water. It's so deep. You just can keep going down and down and down and down and down, and you can't mm-hmm. find the end to it. 
so deep. And that adds to appreciation. And there, there's diversity in the spiritual world and diversity makes... Variety is the mother of enjoyment, Prabhupada says. So there's certain themes of the forms of the Lord as they appear, but there are differences also. They're very interesting. You know, the Lord is... He's, he has a great sense of humor. <laughs> and does things in very wonderful ways. So, that's the place that one can go to of more deeply relishing how wonderful is my Krishna. And there are such things. In, in As you go on, and, and if you're paying attention, you see this detail, that detail. You know, scholarship is all about that kind of stuff and jugglering back and forth. And this isn't, this Jiva Goswami's presentation is not jugglery, it's just specifically references to the Vedas. And just by taking this word, to means but. Mm. It's making a distinction between this and that. So he, he unpacks it for us so we can understand what's being presented. I'll give it one example <clears throat> that I remember puzzling over for a long time and then it became very clear that Naham Prakasha Sarvasa Yoga Maya Samavrata that verse from Bhagavad Gita. So why does Krishna say <clears throat> that it's through the agency of Yoga Maya that um, Mudhas can't see him? Because Yoga Maya is for pure devotees. And Maha Maya is for Mudhas or those who are opposed to Krishna. So why is that choice? Is it was a doubt, or you know, it's not clear to me. I wasn't bent out of shape over it, but why yoga maya is used in that position in Bhagavad Gita? And the answer comes from Krishna's advent. That it was yoga maya who later became Durga. It's actually one potency seen differently and acting differently according to the observer or the disposition towards Krishna. So Kamsa had this inimical disposition towards Krishna. So yoga maya slipped from his hand and became Durga. Mm-hmm. known all over the land accordingly same entity differently manifest like Prabhupada's example electrical energy mm-hmm. can be used to make something hot or something cold by the electrician so Krishna is the electrician it's his energy and he can make bring one closer to him or he can make one far away from him same energy, differently applied. So we may not be able to understand certain things. It may look like a contradiction. But we should we should reasonably assume, not just blindly assume, but reasonably assume, there's a clear explanation. I just don't know what it is. And so I'm, that's the Madhyama position. Then the Uttama position is one has clear understanding with all reference to Scripture. We don't study the scriptures so that we can become learned scholars. Our study of the scripture is to nurture our devotion to Krishna. And all doubts are removed. The path to Krishna is made wide open. That's how to address situations that look contradictory.
Anything else? Yes. The meeting between Maitreya and Uddhava. This is the meeting between Vidura and Uddhava. You're going ahead to the meeting between Maitreya and Uddhava. Then what? Yes. Speaking to Vidura. Or be hearing from Krishna. Either. Make us say a whole sentence. I can't read your mind. What is the qualification? What should we do to qualify ourselves to hear like Maitreya heard? That's your question? That's your question? It start with controlling of the mind and senses and elevating our purpose to Brahma Jigyasa Jigyasu Shreya Uttama You know that what, what that phrase means? Jigyasa means inquisitiveness. Shreya Uttama Shreya means long-term benefit. Shreyas and prayas. You know the distinction? No. Prayas is like children. Immediate. 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 That's children. And shreyas is long-term. Like going to school. You're deferring things you might want to do because there's a higher purpose and you're doing this to achieve that higher purpose. You're deferring to some higher purpose by doing what you're doing now. So that's austerity is like that. We control our senses so that we can purify our senses so that we are eligible for um, a higher uh, a purpose of life. And what, what, what drives con- consistently that higher purpose of life is an inquisitiveness, jigyasu, shreya, uttama, the topmost long-term benefit. And when one has that capacity, it, it's, it's, it's gradually cultivated because... Um, we're quite contaminated. We've, we've grown up in an atmosphere that reinforces again and again and pounds and pounds and pounds sense gratification. <laughs> and what's the purpose of your education? Sense gratification. It's to get a good job. So you can have money. So that you can have sense gratification. So study very hard. Do this. Do this. Shreyas. Go to school. Get your education. Do very well, so you get the best job, so you can get the most money, so you can have sense gratification. And 
It's been, you know, the, the whole culture has pounded that upon our heads. So even when we hear something else and go, yeah, that makes sense, we're still strongly driven by this other force. So to qualify ourselves as to actually come to the position of Jigyasustra Uttama. And that's the driving force behind controlling the mind and senses. So that you can still go to school, and you, but your, your, your purpose changes. And you can, you can do whatever you do, but your, you eat, you sleep, you work, you have recreation, you, know, you ride a bicycle. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do what you do with a different purpose. Consciousness behind it changes. That helps make us eligible. It's like, you know, Vidura. It's Leela because he's one of the Mahajans already. He's Yamaraj. But he's showing by example, you have contaminating association. What do you do? You have to purify yourself. Specifically, Prabhupada writes, Vidura was so qualified, he could have gone straight to Krishna. When he left the palace, he could have just gone to Krishna. But he was feeling, I, I've been contaminated by this terrible as- association, Duryodhana and his, all of his buddies, and I've been living here and maintained by them. I'm polluted by their association. To be in Krishna's presence, I need to purify myself. So he wonder what means of purification. And sure enough, look what happens. Here he is with Uddhava, who has just been with Krishna. And, and transforms Vidura from a highly intelligent, qualified person to an Uttama Adhikari Vaishnav by his association. So Vidura was qualifying and preparing himself for to receive also. And taking shelter of a qualified person who can guide and train and so forth. That's part of our Vedic process. If one says, no, I don't think I need that, I'll just, like, you know, read books and do it on my own. Then, you know, with that idea, don't go to college. Why go to college? Mm -hmm. Just read books and do it on your own. All the books are there. Just buy the books. Study the books. Become qualified. But that's not the system. Besides, it's not the system that's recognized by the world. There's a reason. You say, oh, I read all those books, although I didn't go to college. It's not just recognized by society. It helps to make one qualified by submitting. Certainly in the Vedic light of things, by submitting to the qualified teachers of the science of devotion. Okay. Anything else? You're the only one that didn't ask a question. You got one? Go ahead. Can you give me speaking about the spiritual determination? Spiritual determination. Jarasandha like. So what is spiritual What's the difference? Well, with 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 sense gratification, there's the expectation of a perk. And you know, Spiritually, where's the perk? It's like 
chanting Hare Krishna. One of the reasons it's difficult to pay attention when chanting Hare Krishna is there's no sense gratification. <laughs> you know, for, for a materialist, it's totally boring. Where's the sense gratification? At least, you know, mental speculation. <laughs> and it's just associating with Krishna. It's it's a so um, determination in devotional service requires this higher a, a very clear sense of higher purpose. It's not a uh, fruitive act. Devotional service. And making spiritual advancement doesn't get you that, that carrot at the end of the stick. If one thinks like that, oh, I'll get salvation or I'll, get, I'll go to Krishna Loka, it's missing the spirit. It's loving service. It's not where you go or what you get from, the, from the, whatever you do in devotional service. It's, the, it's a relationship. It's love. And you know the paradigm of love is not the paradigm of this material world. The paradigm of this material world is business. Mm. Fruitive. I'll do this because I get that. Mm. And where's the determination if you don't get that? You know, mm-hmm. what's what's your what's the fuel in your tank? What's inspiring somebody in devotion? It's non fruitive. That's the challenge. It's a whole other paradigm. It's a spiritual paradigm. And we're in this atmosphere that's so fruitive. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing whatever they do. You know, the little guy and the big guy and the middle guy. Everyone's, because it's, it's the mode of passion. Impelling people. Get that fruit. Determine what your fruit is and go for it. <laughs> Build your whole life around it. And lament if you don't get it. Or steal it if you can't get it by good means. You know, fall to the mode of ignorance. But mode of goodness, purpose, it's so rare. What to speak of transcendental purpose? So determination is requires a spark within and very careful handling of that spark. And we're lazy. We don't like mm-hmm. to carefully do anything that it's not infruitive. <laughs> Maybe for a little while, but you know, it's only a little while. Then I can have something that's fun and really grabs my attention. Sense gratification. So determination in, in devotion is, you know, initially it starts with, you know, getting free from something I don't like, like misery or ignorance or unhappiness or loneliness or something. Getting rid of something I don't like. But that's only, that's, that, 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 it's intermittent. It only takes you so far. When you get free from that thing you don't like, then it becomes complacency again. There has to be a commitment to the higher purpose. The relationship with Krishna. That's when, what's de- when devotion starts to become fixed and steady. The higher purpose becomes clear, identified. It's, it's, you know, it doesn't like appear and disappear and appear and disappear and appear. It's, it stays. That's my purpose. 
and I may be far from the goal, but I'm very clear what the purpose is, and I keep moving towards the goal, and eventually and gradually get there. With whatever the exciting adventure between here and there is like. That's determination. You know what the goal is. You stay fixed on the goal. And the goal is with it with a with a spiritual conception. You know, even to have a a goal that you think is spiritual, if the if the yardsticks are material, then you don't have a clear conception of what the goal is. You know, to reach Krishna Loka. You know, what's that? What what is what is what does it mean? It's not like, you know, get in a craft and go or a vehicle and go from here to there. It's it's consciousness. So we need a proper spiritual conception. And that takes some refinement and purification and proper guidance. There's lots of pitfalls on the way. Get distracted and fall in the ditch. Happens. So determination requires a proper spiritual conception. So refine your conceptions as you move along. Okay, I'm going to end there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hare Krishna. See the Prabhupada.